0: I've been working as a registered nurse for 28 trying years I've had good days and I've had bad days when I left the job in tears but I've never seen times like these when every day our lives are on the line we just come to work here we don't come to die each morning now when I get to work
1: It's not just Massachusetts, it's not just St. Vincent's, it's everywhere. We're hearing the issue of nurses
2: facing staffing issues. We knew we had to do something, so then they had the vote, and overwhelmingly they got the vote to go ahead and go on strike. It wasn't just out of the blue on March 8th, why are all these nurses on strike? Did we think we were going to be out for 10 months
3: when we went? Absolutely not. I did what I did going on strike
2: because I was fighting for those patients, what was going on inside the building, and it's, it was really, it was a spiritual um, experience. We went through every emotion
4: possible during this strike, um, from elation to incredible
5: depression. This clearly was to union bust. If we die on this hill, the St. Vincent's nurses, all labor dies with us.
6: Hi, and welcome to Labor History Today. On March 8, 2021, protesting dangerous working conditions and staffing ratios, over 700 nurses at St. Vincent Hospital in Massachusetts hit the picket line for what would become the longest nurses' strike in the state's history. This is their story. Today's show is excerpted from an hour-long video by Gino Canella for TRNN, the Real News Network. We've got a link to the complete video in the show notes. These interviews with the St. Vincent nurses comprise a rip from the headlines oral history of a ferocious labor battle in the not-too-distant past that carries important lessons for workers everywhere. And on labor history in two.
7: The year was 1989. At oh, 105 in the afternoon, a massive explosion Cheers rocked the, the town of Pasadena, care. Texas, near Houston.
6: I'm Chris we'll Garlock. Here's the show. City.
7: It's nice to know
0: that people care. But to do our jobs and protect ourselves, we need action from on high. Because we just come to work here. We don't come to die, and if it's your direction that I risk it.
3: On March 8, 2021, over 700 nurses at St. Vincent's Hospital in Worcester, Massachusetts, represented by the Massachusetts Nurses Association, hit the picket line and started what would become the longest nurses strike in the state's history. At the center of the strike at St. Vincent's Hospital, which is owned by Tenet Healthcare, a Dallas-based, investor-owned healthcare giant, were concerns about working conditions and staffing, specifically a nurse-to-patient ratio that nurses say make it difficult to provide safe and sufficient care to every patient. The strike officially ended on January 3, 2022. The struggle continues for healthcare workers at St. Vincent and around the country, but there are many enduring lessons to learn from this historic strike. This is an oral history of the St. Vincent strike told by the people who lived it.
1: I'm Julie Pinkham. I'm the executive director for the Massachusetts Nurses Association. I'm a registered nurse by background. Started my career out here in Worcester at UMass and uh, ended up at the Brigham and subsequently at M&A. And and i have been there almost uh, probably close to 30 years now. It's not just Massachusetts, it's not just St. Vincent's, it's everywhere. We're hearing the issue of nurses facing staffing issues. We have this just-in-time staffing, and there's this casualization of the workforce where you want everybody sort of part-time or per diem so you can push them into a slot as you need it but not otherwise there, whereas previously you would have a lot more full-timers, which gave you the luxury of continuity at the bedside. Generally, I always find that management tends to use the word flexibility. And, you know, the, the converse of flexibility for management usually is uh, control. Uh, we want to the control of determining when and if something happens. But ultimately, it's the nurse that's taking care of the patient, and it's him or her that's licensed on the line and their decision-making. Um, and they they really are the experts right there to know whether or not they can achieve the outcomes that they need to with the patient population based on how sick they are and how much resources they need of each other to make that happen. Um, management would you know, like to, to make it as slim and as, as they can because its resources means more pay, having people, staffing you know, is more money out of their pocket. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the, it's the difference between patients doing well and not doing well. People don't go on strike because they feel like going on strike. They go on strike because they see no other opportunity to resolve the issue otherwise. You know, we don't live in an economy. We live in a society. And if we have to always make decisions as right or wrong or important or unimportant on whether or not how it affects Wall Street or the economy, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is how we all live together, right? What we do as a group in the labor movement and how we support each other and realizing and teaching our folks that we live in a society, in communities, those values, those understandings are the ones that are the most important every time.
2: My name is Amy Albani um, and I'm a nurse working at the um, Progressive Care Unit at St. Vincent Hospital. And I've been there for 17 years, well, almost 18 years now. We were short of health prior to COVID. Um, and then during COVID, um, we lost like about a hundred of our employees to area hospitals and for um, better staffing was one of the main reasons actually during COVID. And they weren't being replaced. As a matter of fact, tenant was furloughing nurses in an attempt to save money. And we desperately needed them at that time. We knew we had to do something because of all this going on. And and my unit, after COVID, my unit got somewhat better as far as help goes. It was other areas in the hospital that were really bad. And we're a union, solidarity. So we knew we had to get better staffing because this contract was going to go on for three years or so. So now was the time. And they were getting nowhere. The negotiation committee was getting nowhere with the hospital when it came to staffing. Um, So we decided, well, we're going to have to push it and go for a vote. And my vote automatically was yes, because, you know, you're put in a moral dilemma when you're short of help. You don't know who, which person should you see first, you know, and you know that if something happens, you're to blame no matter what the situation. So then they had the vote and overwhelmingly, they got the vote to go ahead and go on strike. And I really don't think that this is gonna be the first pandemic that we're going to go through. And so we have to be prepared for the next one. We have to look out for the nurses coming after us. To me, there wasn't a decision. If they weren't willing to budge, we couldn't, we had to stand up in force what was going on inside the building. And it's, it was really, it was a spiritual um, experience as well because so many people had to kind of get out of their comfort zone and do things that they probably never would have done like at the meetings, like, you know, they were at their wits end and they would have to get up and speak and tell people things that they probably never would have wanted people to know. And, and just, it was humbling, it, it was, it was really something being in this experience, it, it really was. I do think what we did do is, the length of the strike, for one thing, brought a lot of attention to this strike and the fact that there is a problem with staffing in the hospitals. And if it's not just the nurses' problem, you're going to be a patient, and if you live in that community. It's your problem, and guess what? It's not just this community. It's all over the United States and beyond. We got letters from Germany, from Ireland, supporting our strike. We are going through the same things here. I mean, it's going to make people think long and hard that this is about them, not about us. This is really about them. You know, so it it might be them in the future when it happens again to really put a mouthpiece on it. My name
8: is Carla LeBlanc. I'm a registered nurse at St. Vincent's Hospital. I work in the float pool.
2: I became a nurse
8: because my mother was really sick. My mother was really sick and I went back to school when I was in my thirties and became a nurse, um, inspired by, my, by the you know care that was given to my mother and the care that, and the, and the, and, Advocating for my mother, you know and advocating for her made me realize there was something missing in nursing to some degree, and when we were planning on going on strike and during the strike, a lot of different people from a lot of different places on social media in the newspaper, um, nurses that continued to work inside the hospital, crossing the picket line, uh, even I think Carolyn Jackson to some extent was saying were saying you know, that it was irresponsible for us to do that. Irresponsible for us to do it during a pandemic. It was, um, you know, that we're violating our oath and, 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 and trying to guilt us into doing, to giving in. And my thought of that and my thought from that from the very beginning was my oath, even the Florence Nightingale oath is to elevate nursing. And I'm not elevating nursing to take a pay raise over having better ratios. And I did what I did going on strike because I was fighting for those patients. I was fighting for better working conditions for me to take care of those patients under. And, but I was fighting for those patients to get more of my time. And I, to this moment, do not have any guilt at all about what my decision was because I'm not, uh, um, you know, some martyr nun sleeping on a straw mat doing everything I can for these patients. I'm a professional and at a time like this when the baby boomers are getting older and we're in the middle of a pandemic, there's nothing more important than being able to provide people better care. So I don't feel guilty about my decision to strike. We shouldn't have to fight for everyday citizens having good health care, especially health care that they're paying a lot of money for. We shouldn't have to fight this hard for that. And I hope that this fight changes that to some degree because there's nobody, I mean, Tennant's one of the biggest for-profit healthcare companies there is. And if 700 small-town nurses could beat them, I think anybody can beat for-profit healthcare. I think we've proven that. I'm hoping.
9: <laughs> David Schildmayer, Director of Communications for the Massachusetts Nurses Association. Communication is key. A lot of that work, too, you, was public work. So whenever we did the petition, we did a press release about it. And we, when we, did the, we uh, protested a furlough of nurses, we were out there in the press talking about it. When we did daily picketing, the community saw those nurses every day out there with signs saying that it's unsafe. So you're not only educating the members, but we were seeding the public with what was happening at the hospital over a long period of time. So it wasn't just out of the blue on March 8th, why are all these nurses on strike? In, in the same time, were we afraid? Yes. But what we have seen is that this was a watershed moment, uh, I think for all essential workers, to speak up and and don't let this pass. This is a time when the public understands your value. Uh, all unionized workers who work for essential workers should be very outspoken at this time, um, because now we have the public's attention. So now is a time where I would argue that there's been no better time for nurses to stand up, and the nurses have been held up as heroes across the board. Any strike is a roller coaster ride. You have great days, and then then the opposition does something that tries to knock you down. And throughout this strike, um, uh, the employer was looking for ways to to, to intimidate the nurses. So when they tried to take away the health insurance, when they tr- when they were stalling on, on giving them the legally uh, required COBRA subsidies, things like that, nurses didn't cross. From the beginning of the strike to the end in 10 months, maybe 20 nurses who didn't go out, who didn't stay out originally, ended up going back into that hospital. That's astounding. Very few of any nurse uh, ever said, What we're fighting for, it's not worth it. That was the difference. That's what kept them going. To understand the impact on uh, what a strike has on nurses.
4: My name is Dominique Muldoon, and I'm a registered nurse at St. Vincent Hospital. I'm also co-chair of the local bargaining unit. A 10-month strike, you, you have incredibly highs and lows. I would say that it's not you're not on an even keel at all. There would be these heartbreaking things that would happen. We went through every emotion possible during this strike, um, from elation to incredible depression to, you know, when we thought that we would have, there were several times we thought we had uh, uh, a chance to make a, a deal to get back in that building, and then it didn't happen. It's like this incredibly, your hopes are so high, and then they come crashing down when the, it falls through. Or Also, we had so many life events on the line. We had babies born. We had, we had deaths that happened on the line where you know someone's spouse had died um terrible diagnoses and then we hit you know we had joyful events we had the whole community come out and support us and legislators and we held each other up during the low points and even during the high points but you know that's what it was really was um you'd have a day where you just didn't feel like you could go on and you would go to the picket line and somebody would be
3: talking to you and it would bring you up somehow. My name's Carolyn Moore, Um, I've been a nurse at St. Vincent's for 43 years. I work in the endoscopy unit right now, but I've been in several areas throughout my career. Did we think we were going to be out for 10 months when we went? Absolutely not. We thought that this was a, a strong issue. We thought that it was the right issue um, for the community, for the nurses caring for patients, and for the patients, number one. You know, being a committee member, um, when I walk out on that picket line, I feel like part of my job is um, helping the nurses that are out there keep everybody uplifted. They're doing the right thing. We're staying strong together. St. Vincent Hospital is a community hospital it is not a big business. They're turning it into a big business. They're taking the heart and soul out of that hospital, and that's what hurts so much to many of us. I grew up in Worcester. I was born raised in Worcester. My kids were born at St. Vincent Hospital. My parents died at St. Vincent Hospital, cared very nicely. I mean, it, it's our hospital, and that's what hurts so much. That's what hurts me. I can't go somewhere else. You know, most of us that work there have been there. We have a lot of longevity. Not many hospitals have that. You know, nurses move from here to here. What works best for them. But most of the people at St. Vincent Hospital aren't there for money and aren't there for the glory. It's hard work there, and we're fighting a big company tenant, Healthcare. They're horrible. We can use less staff have more patients, get paid more. This is how I feel that these companies are looking at it. They're making a profit. They want the profit and they're taking it from the patient's care to make their profits. And and it's, it's just like being a parent with a child. You know, you want the best for that child and you have to give the best that you can. And if you are a nurse at the bedside and you're not given that care the best that you can, it's very sad. Very sad. Nursing is a wonderful career. It's a great career. The reason people are leaving nursing is because number one, it's dangerous if you don't have the right staffing, and number two, it's exhausting. You know, it's. A, I, I'm very proud of my profession, and that's the only way we're going to get people back into the profession. You know, we have to stop these big businesses turning in into a for profits when we're talking about people's lives. I hope this strike opens up a lot of eyes to a lot of different areas and especially the administrations of hospitals and listen to what went on here and listen to their nurses in their hospital. It's not a self-beneficial job. We're caring for people. And if we're saying we need help, then we need help.
5: My name is Bill Leahy, I'm a registered nurse. I have been at St. Vincent's for 44 years. Um, I was one of the negotiators on the executive committee of our bargaining unit here at St. Vincent's for a number of years. As a negotiator and part of a union hierarchy is is let them talk. You don't have to hear from me being a negotiator other than for me to inform you how the negotiations are going. My name is Leahy, uh, Irish Catholic, boy brought up I'll be a priest. Well, obviously I'm not, but I walking the line and being a negotiator and walking the line every day, every day, but was just to be pastoral, let them vent. I mean, I was dealing with women that were being verbally abused by their spouses to say, this can't go on much longer. You have to go back to work. You have to cross the line or get another job. So they felt just venting to another person to listen to them or their child got diabetes and they were worried about the insulin. What are we going to do? And Cobra and all of a sudden, and then, you know, um, some of my nurses, uh, had cancer treatments while they were out and they still came out on the line. I'm like, Oh my God. I mean, those stories are never going to get out. Well now just cause I'm talking to you, but that wasn't out. That didn't get put out in the press. And then sometimes they came up and physically grabbed me and go, and they'd swear at me, you know, what the F are you people doing? Meaning the union is doing this. It's like, we are not doing this. We want to settle a strike too. And then at the end of the day, after they grabbed you in anger, uh, the next day they came back and said, I'm sorry, I I got mad at you. And I said, don't worry about it. You know, let it go. It's, It's just the peaks and the valleys of the emotions of these people that, you know, Remember one thing, we went out, we suffered financially and emotionally and psychologically and spiritually for the the consumer of healthcare, the people of central Massachusetts. We, We took that on for you. I along with some others felt this was calculated by Tennant and Carolyn Jackson. They were gonna push this all the way down the line. This clearly was, to union bust, and I said this, and I said this to the local politicians that were out there too, I said, if we die on this hill, the St. Vincent's nurses, all labor dies with us because if we ever let them determine who will come back to work in their same positions and who won't, where would unions go? This is beyond me being an MNA nurse at St. Vincent's, it's beyond this. This is about all of us workers in this country. I mean, how far are you willing to fight for it? I mean, we can push back. Numbers matter. I'm not gonna give up. That's just my stubborn nature. Even (laughs) my wife will tell you that, but I, I, I will continue the fight, but I don't know. I think what we need to do as nurses is to get out to the college levels, to at least give our side of what unionizing Healthcare. I'm still looking at the glass as half full. So I'll be Don Quixote as I ride off, chasing my windmills. I guess, <laughs> but the windmill I'm chasing is basically for the greater good of people.
7: I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1989. At 1:05 in the afternoon, a massive explosion rocked the town of Pasadena, Texas, near Houston. The explosion was so large it registered a 3.5 on the Richter scale. The disaster took place at the Phillips Petroleum Company's Houston Chemical Complex. The Pasadena facility produces plastics. The fire started when highly flammable gas was released from an improperly connected valve. 23 workers were killed. More than 300 more were injured. The Houston Chronicle described the devastating impact of the explosion, writing, Entire buildings vanished as a huge black smoke plume billowed skyward in an almost apocalyptic vision. Homes as far as eight miles away were damaged. After the explosion, the company rebuilt its facilities. A year after the disaster, Tom Gentry, president of the Oil, Chemical, and Atomic Workers Local 4-227, thought the company could do more to improve workplace safety. He told the Chronicle reporter, the company still uses outside contractors with less safety training and workers become tired because of bare bone staffing. At the time of the explosion, there were 905 company workers and an additional 600 contracted employees who worked at the facilities. OSHA found multiple safety violations. The company eventually came to an agreement with OSHA and paid a $4 million fine. In 1999, another explosion killed two workers at the Pasadena facility. The next year, yet another explosion killed one worker and injured 71. The company continued to hire contracted employees. After the third explosion in 11 years, Joe Campbell, secretary treasurer of the paper Allied Industrial Chemical and Energy Workers International said the company continued to hire contractors who have little or no experience working in a volatile workplace. Now I'm
0: not saying that you don't care, I'm not saying that you don't try, I'm saying we just come to work here, we don't come to die.
6: That's it for this week's edition of Labor History Today. You can subscribe to LHT on your favorite podcast app. Even better, if you like what you are here and we hope you do, like it in your podcast app, pass it along, and leave a review. That really helps folks to find the show. Labor History in Two is a partnership between the Illinois Labor History Society and the Rick Smith Show, a labor-themed radio show out of Pennsylvania. Very special thanks this week to the Real News Network. We've got a link to their complete report in the show notes. Help TRNN continue producing radically independent news and in-depth analysis by following them and making a small donation. Find out more at therealnews.com. Our music was We Just Come to Work Here, based on the Ann Feeney original, with new lyrics by Paul McKenna and Ben Grosskop, and performed by Ben Grosskop. Labor History Today is produced by the Metro Washington Council's Union City Radio and the Kalmanovitz Initiative for Labor and the Working Poor at Georgetown University. The Labor History Today team includes Ben Blake, Patrick Dixon, Leon Fink, Sherry Lincoln, Joe McCartan, Evan Papp, Jessica Pauzak, and Alan Weirdak. For Labor History Today, this has been Chris Garlock. Thanks for listening. Keep making history. And see you next time.
0: Six feet apart, but side by side. We're saying we just come to work here. We don't come to die. We're saying we just come to work here, mister. We don't come to die.